right, we're uh, journeying through the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 21 today. Uh, I, I, one disclaimer, uh, last Sunday we didn't get to verses 3 through 5. I said we would cover them this week. Well, ain't going to happen. Uh, and, and I was almost, in the first service, I almost said, I promise it will do it next week. But I already promised that So uh, for this week. So I'll say uh, we'll make every effort to cover those three verses next week. It just makes sense to me to get to verse 3 through 5 after we get through all of chapter 5, just the way I think about it. So anyway, so the rule followers at the end of the sermon, you don't have to say what happened to 3 through 5. All right, so you know what's going to happen, maybe. All right, so the book of Romans. Uh, I'm discovering as I study it uh, for this time as, as we go through it, that it's, Paul's really describing a believing, trusting, faithful faith that turns into a dangerous faith. Danger not towards people, but danger towards evil and brokenness and despair. And we know um, we know that people around us, even in our lives, we can uh, have despair and brokenness and uh, even evil creeping into our lives, and, uh, it, and it can crush us. And so we need a dangerous faith, and we need people with dangerous faith to be ministering to us as well. And so, this is the book of Romans. We're going to continue. Uh, so, question, have you ever been faced with uh, a daunting task? You look at this task or this project, and you say to yourself, I have no idea how I'm going to accomplish this challenge. Anybody face that? Um, if you haven't, check your pulse. And have you ever heard this phrase? Just put a dent in it. Anybody with me? Just So you have this project, and maybe the best way to get started is just, just get started and put a dent in it. Oftentimes, that's the way we accomplish a daunting task, is to just put, start putting dents in it. 30 years ago, that's how the Berlin Wall came down. The political climate was just right, but it took people with sledgehammers. One swing at a time, there's a picture of it, that's the Berlin Wall, one swing at a time with sledgehammers, finally the Berlin Wall came down. They literally chipped away until the wall was gone. Every swing of the sledgehammer was needed to bring the wall down. 55 years ago, Dr. Martin Luther King, he gave a speech that put a huge dent, not a little dent, but a huge dent in the evil of racism in our country. And at the very end of the rose in here is a copy of his I Have a Dream speech. And I just encourage you to read that. Even if you've read it before, read it again. It's so, it's so alive uh, in what it says. And if you have kids or grandkids, read it to them. It is an amazing statement about racism, but also about God. In his speech, uh, Dr. King said this. He said, I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. Every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. 
And he's quoting Isaiah chapter 40, verse 4 and 5. And after he quoted those two verses, he said, This is our hope. So while Dr. Martin Luther King was focused on the civil rights movement and putting a huge dent in the evil of slavery and segregation, he was saying also that our hope is in God. His certain hope, last week we talked about uncertain hope and certain hope. His uncertain hope was he had no idea what would happen with the civil rights movement. But his certain hope was in God. He was certain that one day, no matter how the civil rights movement turned out, the glory of God would one day be revealed and everyone would see the manifest presence of the living God. And so we must never forget the horror and injustice of slavery and segregation, and we must always be putting a dent in the evil of racism. Dr. Martin Luther King's ultimate hope was in God. So dangerous faith impacts the world. One little dent or one big dent at a time. That probably should have been the title of the sermon. Make a dent. I think, don't tell my teenagers that. It's not doesn't apply to cars. All right, so at this time, I'm going to invite Marilyn Thomas to come up. She's going to read Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 21, and we're going to see about how we can make a dent in the world. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the, the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin raised in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you, Marilyn. Well, there's a lot there. Dangerous faith impacts the world one dent at a time. When Paul says sin came into the world through one man, the one man he's talking about is Adam. Adam was the first man created directly from God. He was the only man created directly from God. Adam is the only human 
who was ever created from non-living material. God formed Adam out of dirt from the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life. Eve was created from a bone in Adam's side and every other human was born into the world. And God blessed Adam and Eve and he gave them a purpose. A purpose that would impact the world. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Imagine being Adam. All of a sudden, you're just there. You weren't there, and then you're there. See, we can't do that. But he's a grown man, and he wasn't there, and then he was there. And he didn't even have a belly button. And he had no memories of the past. Because there was no past. He wasn't, and then he was. So you're Adam, and all of a sudden you're just there. And you're with God, and no one else. There's Adam, and no one else but God. Wow. And then God gives you a mission. A life with purpose. A life of purpose to impact the entire world. You get to be the leader of the movement to fill the earth and subdue it and rule over it. Adam was given the mission to reign over all of creation. And so you're Adam. You're God's image bearer to the world. And the world is without sin or death. A perfect world. What an amazing opportunity that God has set before you if you're Adam. Can you imagine? And then you mess it all up. You disobey God. Sin enters the world. And with sin comes death. And death spreads to all humanity. Can you imagine being the one credited with introducing sin into the world, being the one who presides over the fall, the corruption of creation? What God created as good was thoroughly corrupted by sin. And you're the cause of it. Can you imagine being Adam? Who wants to be Adam? Nobody wants to be Adam. What was Adam remembered for? For bringing sin into the world. Wow, what a great legacy. That was Adam's impact on the world. He brought sin and death into the world. So Adam's sin was disobedience to God. The one thing he was asked not to do, he did. Have you ever said that? I asked you not to do that. And so Adam's disobedience to God required God to pass judgment on him. Adam's sin brought judgment, and the judgment for sin is a death sentence. Adam's initial sin led to the condemnation, the death penalty for all sin. So because of Adam's sin, death now reigns in the world. Paul wrote that. Sin, uh, death reigns in our world. Before Adam, there was no sin. After Adam's sin, 
I'm sorry, before Adam's death, there was, before Adam's sin, there was no death. I got it right that time. Before Adam's sin, there was no death. After Adam's sin, there was death. Adam's impact on the world is obviously massive. Sin entered the world through Adam. Creation in humankind was corrupted by sin and death, and death reigns and still reigns in our world. Adam's impact, sin and death. Now in verse 14, it says, Adam is a type of the one who was to come. And Paul is referring to Jesus as the one who was to come. And Jesus came. He left his throne. He was born to a virgin, 100% God, became also 100% man. We call that what? The incarnation. Great word to remember. Memorize, spell it. He lived a sinless life. He was crucified. He was buried. He rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, and reigns over the universe, the entire universe, the seen and the unseen, the spiritual and the physical. So when Paul calls Adam a type of Jesus, what does he mean? A type is a foreshadowing of something that will come later and will be like the type, only superior. So I want to give you an example. This is a picture of Betsy and I before we left her house for the ninth grade Christmas dance. Doesn't she look great? She made that dress, by the way. So this represents a foreshadowing of something that would come later and will be like the type, but will be superior. Where are we at? 38 years? We'll, we'll be. We'll be 38 years. Right? So that was just a foreshadowing of something great. An amazing uh, relationship, marriage, Amazing, right? Amen? Amen, okay. It's like that guy who proposes at a ball game and she goes, "Uh uh-uh. So when we went to that dance together, we had no idea of the great adventure that God was going to take us on. We didn't even know the Lord. And yet, it was a foreshadowing of something greater that would come. So how is Jesus then like Adam? Well, first, Jesus is 100% man like Adam, but he's greater because he's 100% God also. Also like Adam, Jesus has a connection to all of humanity, but Jesus' connection is superior. So what came through Adam's sin What came through Adam is sin, but what comes through Jesus, and here's the difference, is grace. Verse 15 says this, But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. So last week we talked about how followers of Jesus have access to God's grace. So a quick review, God's grace is defined as God's unmerited favor that makes the unforgivable forgivable. 
God's grace, another way to say it, God's goodness toward those who deserve only punishment. And so Jesus extends to us his grace, a free gift that says, I love you, I want you in my family, and I will do whatever it takes to get you there. And Jesus' grace brings justification. Adam's sin brought judgment. Jesus' grace brings justification. Remember what justification is. By Jesus' blood, his sacrifice on the cross, we can be justified, forgiven, and made righteous. And remember what we said righteousness is about. It doesn't mean to be morally upright. It means to be judged, acquitted, and cleared of all charges in the heavenly judgment of our sin. And also remember that justification is a response to our blessing, God's response, I'm sorry, God's response to our believing and our trusting faith in Him. So we're justified by the blood of Jesus and by our believing, trusting faith in Jesus. So because of grace, Jesus brought justification. So Adam's sin brought judgment. Jesus' grace brings justification. Now this is where God's love for us really reaches its pinnacle. In verse 17, it says, those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So those who receive God's grace and righteousness through believing Trusting faith, reign in life through Jesus. And verse 21 says it's eternal life. Reign in life. So what does reigning in life mean? What does it mean to reign in life through Jesus? To reign in life through Jesus means first, we only have life if we have a relationship with Christ. Everything else is a counterfeit. And second, we have a God-given responsibility as we reign in life through Jesus, to rule over the life that God has given us. Your life is a gift. Your life is such a gift. It's a gift to you, but it's also a gift to all of us. Our lives are such a gift, and we get to decide how we will use this gift. Adam used it to bring sin and death into the world. But Jesus' grace brings life. A life of purpose designed to impact the world. A life of purpose designed to put a dent in evil and brokenness and despair. In verse 19 it says this, for as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. So Adam's disobedience made us all sinners sentenced to death. But Jesus' obedience on the cross opened the door for us to have a different sentence, a life sentence. Would you rather have a death sentence or a life sentence? And the life sentence we're given through Jesus' grace is a life with Jesus. 
sentenced for life all eternity to be with Jesus. That's a life sentence worth receiving. And it's a life of impact. A life of making dents in the world. So what is Jesus' impact then on humanity? Adam's was what? Sin and death. What is Jesus' impact on humanity? Because of his grace, he went to the cross to pay for our sins. So we could be forgiven and made righteous, justified. So we could reign in life. The life that he offers. Every person can be connected to Jesus by receiving his grace and his righteousness. Every person is connected to Adam through sin. But every person can be connected to Jesus by his grace and his righteousness. On the day that Jesus was crucified, I want to give you an example of this choice between a death sentence and a life sentence, between sin and death and grace and life. On the day that Jesus was crucified, two men were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. And the interaction between these three men shows us the impact that Jesus has on humanity. As the men were being crucified, it says both the criminals, both the robbers, reviled Jesus and insulted him. Can you imagine having so much evil in your heart that you're being crucified and you still have energy to mock and insult and revile someone else? And that is a lot of, talk about anger issues. And at one point while Jesus was being crucified and these two robbers were mocking him, insulting him, reviling him, Jesus said something that should echo in our hearts every day. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And he was talking about those two robbers. He was talking about the soldiers who nailed him to the cross. He was talking about the religious leaders that caused him to go to the cross and, and the Roman government that put him on the cross. But he's also talking about us. Because our sin put him on the cross as well. Father, they, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And later in Luke chapter 23, it records an, uh, a final conversation between these three men. And it and it goes like this. One of the criminals. <laughs> it is windy out. If the lights go out, no problem. If suddenly there's a skylight, we probably should evacuate. All right, Luke 23, verse 39 to 43. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at Jesus, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, Today, you will be with me in paradise. 
So in this conversation, it seems like both robbers understood that Jesus was special. Jesus was God. They maybe didn't understand it, but they understood that, that he was God. And one of the robbers blamed God for his problems. He demanded God to get him out of this situation. Jesus, you're God. Get off the cross. Get me off the cross. What is your problem? Do your God thing. But one of the robbers responded to Jesus with believing, trusting faith. Remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus' response is awesome. The man had believing faith, and Jesus responded, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So what is Jesus' impact on humanity? By His grace, He's made a way for all of humanity to escape the death sentence caused by Adam's sin and to receive a life sentence, an eternal life sentence with Jesus in glory, in paradise. Adam's impact, sin and death. Jesus' impact, grace and life. So what is our impact on humanity? Well, our impact, I believe, begins with a choice about our lives. What is our choice regarding sin or grace? Do we choose our sin or do we choose God's grace? Everyone has to make that choice. And as we live in the day-to-day, do we respond to others with sin or with grace? How do we respond to others with sin or with grace? What is our choice regarding judgment and justification? Do we choose God's judgment Or do we choose God's justification? Do we choose to yell at God when things aren't working out well? God, why aren't you doing what I want you to do? Or do we choose faith? A faith that believes and trusts that God has forgiven us, made us righteous. And so we have abundant and eternal life. No matter what our circumstances are, we've been forgiven, made righteous. And have life. When it comes to others. Who are mistreating us. Do we cast judgment upon them? Or do we extend grace. And pray. That they would receive God's righteousness. So this happens often. As I'm preparing a message. God gives me. A window into my own soul about what I'm about to tell you. I was at UH to uh, visit um, Grace Darling, little baby Grace we've been praying for, and I go into the entrance, and I I get my ticket, and, and the window on the van doesn't quite go down far enough because of a dent from a deer, and so you got to do some things. And so it takes me a little longer, you know, to do the thing. So I press the button, my gate goes up. Well, meanwhile, this guy in a pickup truck just flew into the other entrance, you know, pressed the button right away, and his gate, my gate went up, and then his gate went up. And, and he was like the drag race, man. I was just, you know, minding my own business, and he had to get by me because it merges. And so he like floors and goes flying by me, and, and I'm like, 
no, I have to show grace. I can't condemn him. I need to forgive him. And so, you know, I'm following behind him, and, and he sees a spot, and, and so he pulls up really fast to back in really fast, and, and, and I'm like, oh, I just want to get close and annoy him, you know, but I don't because I have to show him grace and not condemnation. And then, and then he backs up really fast, and he smashes into the pickup truck next to him. I, I want to say, you know, I, I just like, Lord, I pray for him. I'm sure, you know, someone's sick in the hospital. And, and uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, and, and uh, I didn't do that. And, and uh, I just have to tell you, you know, God has a, a sense of humor. The guys, the pickup truck he hit, the driver was sitting in it. So he was busted. Right, Trey's busted. Yeah, he was busted. But it's a window into my soul. Like, why was I like angry and and judging? And instead of, oh Lord, whatever he's coming to the hospital for, I'm sure it's important. And bless him and and uh, comfort him and you know all that stuff that I should just flow out of me, but it didn't. But that wasn't the only thing that happened. This week, something else happened. Uh, It was very unexpected, and it was uh, an encounter that brought up a lot of junk from the past, a past broken relationship. And so I was fighting this battle, judgment or justification, condemnation or forgiveness. And so for a few days, I'm fighting this battle. You know, I want to forgive, but man, I was... And... uh, I think I won the battle, but the war still rages in my soul. You know, I need the Holy Spirit to continue to shape me and change me and set me free from those things. But here's something I learned in those two things. There can be no victory without first making the choice. If I choose justification, if I choose grace instead of sin and judgment, if I choose, then there can be victory. But if I don't choose, there can be no victory. Does that make sense? So that's where it, why it starts. Choosing grace over sin, choosing justification over judgment. So what is our choice regarding death or life? If you've received God's grace and faith, you've been justified by faith, you have eternal life. But do we choose to bring that life to work? Do we choose to bring that life to school? Do we choose to bring that life home after a hard day at work or school? Do we choose to impact the world with grace and life or sin and death? What is our choice regarding disobedience or obedience? Adam disobeyed God and brought sin into the world. When we disobey God, what do we do? We bring sin into the world. But when we obey God, we bring life into the world. Betty Stockton is known as the first single woman 
for single female missionary in the modern mission era. Anybody heard of her? It was a long time ago. But throughout her life, Betsy had important, difficult decisions to make. Betsy was born um, in Princeton, New Jersey in 1798. That was not one of her choices. Betsy was born into slavery. That also was not one of her choices. At an early age, she was given, and this is a horrible thing, she was given to the wife of Reverend, that's horrible too, Reverend Ashbel Green as a domestic slave. And at that time, Dr. Green was, was the president of the College of New Jersey, which now is known as Princeton University. But as Betsy grew up, she was given permission to attend evening classes, and something amazing happened. Revival broke out at Princeton University, and at age 17, she gave her life to the Lord. Betsy chose grace over sin. And shortly after receiving God's grace, through believing, trusting faith, the Greens gave her her freedom. But because of the law, she couldn't be free. It was another 10 years before she could actually live out her freedom. And so she remained with the Greens as a paid domestic servant, and they allowed her to continue her education. They treated her as a family member. And so for 10 years after being set free in Christ and set free by the Greens, she remained captive to an unjust and unbiblical legal system. Can you see where Betsy may have chosen the path of judgment over justification, the path of uh, sin over grace, the path of disobedience over obedience, but she chose grace and obedience and life. Despite her conditions, she believed with her heart, all her heart, that it was her sacred duty to offer herself in humble obedience to God and to carry out the plan of salvation, sharing the plan of salvation with people who hadn't heard about Jesus. So God called her to a life that would make a dent. She ended up going to Hawaii, starting a school there for uh, indigenous folks in Hawaii who lived in poverty. She went to a, a place in Canada called Grape Island. I have no idea where that is, uh, but it's in Canada. And she planted a school there for uh, Native Americans. She died in 1865, an interesting year, the year the Civil War ended. And she was admired, and, and she influenced many students with her gentle Christian spirit. She may have been born into slavery, but she emerged as a follower of Christ who shared the gospel with others. Betsy chose to reign in life through Jesus. So to reign in life through Jesus first requires a choice. Do we choose Adam's path or do we choose the path that Jesus gives us? Sin or grace, judgment or justification, death or life, disobedience or obedience. Dangerous faith chooses grace, chooses justification, chooses life, chooses obedience. And dangerous faith puts dents in the evil and the despair 
and the brokenness in our world. So what choice will we make? Adam or Jesus? If we choose Jesus, we can make dents in this world. We can have an impact in this world for God's glory. Let's pray. <clears throat> so Lord, I, I, I love the people in this room. I love the people in our church family. Lord, I just have that picture of people. I remember it so vividly, the video of the Berlin Wall coming down and just person after person picking up sledgehammers and swinging them until they couldn't, and then someone else would pick it up and swing some more. And, and uh, that's just a beautiful picture of our church family, Lord. Making dents in the world around us. And when we can't swing because of a, a, a trouble or an illness, uh, someone else comes along and helps us. Someone else comes along and continues to swing the sledgehammer. And so, Lord, continue to give us strength as individuals and as a church family to make dents in evil and despair and brokenness so that others can come and enjoy and know the freedom and the life that they can have in Christ. Lord, help us this week reign in life through Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Subscribe to the podcast now, and for more info, including sermon outlines, visit our website at www.kurtlandchristian.org.